0: Ladies and gentlemen, as part of the Jeremiah Show, welcome to It's Radio with TV's Tim Stack. Now here's the host of the show, a man who, as a waiter, was weirdly tipped twice by actor Elliot Gould for the same meal, two hours apart. It's TV's Tim Stack. Yay! Me again! Yay! Ah, they love me here and at home, sort of. Um... Welcome everybody to another edition of It's radio with TV's Tim Stack. I'll quickly tell my Elliot Gould story. I, I'm getting close to running out of stories, but uh, we'll tell this one while it's still on my brain. Uh, and my guest might remember me talking about this at the time it happened. So jump in guest, jump in mystery guest if you uh, anything sparks your brain. So uh, as I've so many of my stories involved when I was a waiter, and um, which will lead to some of my guest stories today, because that's sort of how uh, a lot of what happened early in his career was because of this restaurant where we met a bunch of people. Anyway, uh, George Siegel used to have this jazz band that played on, on, on brunches on Sunday afternoon. And this one and a lot of celebs would come in and I got to wait on a bunch. But this one day, uh, Elliot Gould came in. And Elliot Gould and George Segal had done these really great movies in the '70s, and I was a huge fan. And he was in *Mash* and the movie, and just a great fan. And he came in, and I waited on him, and everything was fine. And he left me a very generous tip, which is great. A lot of celebs, you know, sometimes you hope they overtip because they don't want bad gossip about them. And he left me a very generous tip. So then literally two hours later, the clears out, and we're sort of waiting for the dinner crowd to come in, and I'm standing out on Bedford Street in Beverly Hills in front of the restaurant, the Ginger Man restaurant, and all of a sudden I look up, and there's this Mercedes coming down the street really fast, like, I don't know, 60 miles an hour, and it's a commercial street. And it makes the light, and it comes through the light, and all of a sudden it screeches up right in front of me. I'm right in front of the restaurant and there's a parking spot and it screeches in, stops, and Elliot Gould gets out of the car. And I'm thinking, what? He must have forgotten something. He's in a hurry. What is going on here? And I said, "Uh, uh, Mr. Gould, did you forget something? Can I help you? And he walks really determined right up to me and he, and he, he holds up more money. He said, I just wanted to make sure you didn't think I was a bad tipper. <laughs> and I said, no, I didn't think that at all. Not in quite the contrary. And he goes, well, I didn't want you to think that. And he hands me another $20 bill, which at the time was quite a sizable amount, another $20 bill, and then gets in his car and peels out like he's on Miami Vice. <laughs> and it was just a strange just thing that all of a sudden out of nowhere, Elliot Gould appears, gives me 20 bucks, and then drives on. So it's uh, yet another story from my days as a waiter way back when at the Ginger Man. Okay. So let's we got a cue for my guest. We got a little uh, sound clip to play to help introduce my guest. Rambo!
1: This is Lieutenant Clinton Morgan. National Guard leader. Now I'm giving you just three zero seconds to come on out who's got the rocket launcher I do come here Earl great Rambo it's your last chance to come out maybe we should wait Earl this creep is a killer besides I'm in charge and I say we blow it up now fire that thing just let me get out of the way first
0: okay here we go My guest is an actor. That was from the film Rambo. Uh, My guest is an actor, writer, comedian, and producer. You've seen him in Rambo First Blood. You just heard him a little bit there. The only funny thing in the movie, and everybody remembers it from Rambo. Uh, Cheers, Golden Girls. Uh, As a producer of films, he had a film, Welcome to Paradise, Cat City, and It's a Rockability World, all of which can be found on Amazon.com and i know him because we have the same parents
1: <laughs>
0: please yeah. welcome patrick joseph nicholas stack yay Yay!
1: you thank you <laughs> welcome now yeah, well thank you this might be an interesting time to reveal to you as well as your fans you were actually adopted oh oh
0: there we go. That's good news. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there, you go. there you go. No, no more no, Thanksgiving.
0: No. Uh, so anyway, uh, no, I do no, want to ask you about that. So, But but uh, we're going to talk a lot about Rambo because it, it, okay. it dives into the Ginger Man and Brian Denny and that whole time in your life. But first, yeah. I just want to let's go back because I get asked this like, was your family because they know you were in show business and our sister sort of works or did she was involved in the arts and theater for a while, and and so uh, it was kind of in our DNA. Would you agree that because our parents loved the theater and more the theater than movies, but they really loved the theater? Is that a fair?
1: Ah, uh, very fair. I would say yeah, but I I think I think the movies. You remember how Dad. Well, how we would go through the TV guide yes. listed. We didn't get a TV guide because no. that was about three cents a week. Too expensive. I <laughs> didn't have that Wait, depression. That was over budget. Oh, that was that that blew that blew the country club. If we went with the TV guide, he yeah. could no longer play golf. Yeah. Anyway, we would go through the TV listing and circle certain movies that we thought he would like. Yes. And if he really liked it, it made our day. You know, yes. It made because
0: our he resp- if he liked that, if he remembered it. Yes, yes, we were going to be okay in life.
1: (laughs) Unbelievable. Golden parachute from here on out because we found uh, Odd Man Out. Odd Man Out with James Mason. 30 in the morning. Yeah.
0: And I do remember one time him waking me up to watch, I think, Odd Man Out. I think it was Duck Soup. Maybe Duck Soup, Marx Brothers. Again, Marx Brothers, he always loved those. Uh, Any Irish films, Odd Man Out, The Informer. Anything like that? Yes, he was. He liked us when we found those things <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> in the TV guide. Well, Do you, you know, remember what TV guide? It was in the New York Times, would because uh, th- they would give out the TV guide on Sundays. Yes. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah.
1: Well, was, you know, yeah. you talk about the DNA and stuff. Both, both parents. You know, our mother had a radio show for almost twenty years, yes. and that's so busy. Uh, does not compare to this show that we're on right now.
0: No, I think she got paid.
1: Ah. <laughs> oh,
0: <laughs> I'm looking go. at Jeremiah just now.
1: Yeah, there we go. Strike, strike, strike. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm, um, on strike.
0: I'm on podcast strike.
1: <laughs> oh, there we go. But uh, our father, as you recall, was at one time both Connecticut State and Florida State Dancing champion. He had a dancing partner back when they did the Harvest Moon Ball and these yes. dancing competitions, which were very big. And he was asked by somebody to see if they would uh, go on a circuit uh, on vaudeville to dance. Their specialty was the shag Yes, dance. And um, I'll demonstrate it a little bit later.
0: Uh, <laughs> That's on but, It's Radio with TV's Tim Stack after dark.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he turned that down because he said he was homesick and also he needed to take a real job. So he kind of kicked showbiz to the curb in order to uh, provide for us and to uh, join a country club <laughs> <laughs> and not
0: afford TV guy. Um, so I, I would agree with that. So, with that, here's another question I want to ask you Do you remember? I know because we, we met on this day. Do you remember me coming home?
1: No. You mean from? From the hospital. hospital.
0: <laughs> from oh, the hospital. No. I didn't know. No. if I didn't know if that said, because I do remember our sister coming back.
1: Oh, and, I remember that. He right. But you up. were really
0: young when I came home. So you were three years old. Great. So. No,
1: yeah. I don't. I don't remember.
0: Yeah. Um, um, so, was, so back to the DNA thing. Um, yes. Yeah. So, do you re cuz they would take us to plays. I got to say, growing up in Doylestown, Pennsylvania, we went to New York more than any any of our friends. I would say that's a fair statement.
1: We went to New York far Philadelphia was an afterthought. Yeah. I think we were pretty much equidistant between Midtown Manhattan and Center City Philly. Are we tried to turn our antenna towards New York. That worked. Every, that we we every,
0: Yeah, we got more every, channels. That was
1: fun. Yeah. Nothing like watching a Rangers game through <laughs> blizzard yeah. snow. But once in a while, you saw the shadow of a puck. But there so, you go.
0: Uh, so, but I just remember like we went to New York and, and, and kids didn't go to New York in our neighborhood. So, what do you remember by any chance what the first play they took you to? Absolutely. Yes.
1: Uh, stamped on my brain. And I still remember snippets of it of, of me in the audience watching them. And it wasn't our parents, it was our grandmother. Really? Winif- Winifred Murphy. And I was six years old. And somehow, mom or dad, somebody must have got me up to New York. But she and I went to see my fair lady really? with Rex Johnson and Julie Andrews. I didn't I,
0: I never knew this till just now. That's fantastic.
1: Yeah. So I remember singing according to Graham um, I could have danced all night uh-huh. l- coming out of the theater apparently really uh, yeah so that was that was yeah that was pretty remarkable so sidebar uh, they do a stage reading pretty intense stage reading of My Fair Lady at uh, Lincoln Center right. and our friend he was in it and Kelly O'Hara was Liza and uh, the guy was Kelsey Grammer Kelsey Grammer yeah. was Higgins and I can't remember who played the colonel, but a, a TV guy. Right. And and then he played uh, the dad. The father What's father name? Doolittle. Yeah. Yeah. Alfred B. Doolittle. So afterwards, we're at the after party, and Kelly and O'Hara's in the chow line or something getting adjourned, an and I come up next to her, and, and I'm talking, and I said, boy, I really love tonight. That was absolutely fantastic. I must say, it was so interesting for me, because the very first play I saw as a six-year-old my Fair Lady with Julie Andrews. Yeah. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <Turn around. laughs> anyway, I, you know, I have that effect.
0: Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, how are the nachos? Um
1: <laughs> Are you gonna eat that shrimp?
0: <laughs> are you gonna eat that shrimp? Um that's interesting. The first play I remember, and you'll remember going there, was and I might have gone to one before, but the first one I remember you know, we Dawson PA was in Bucks County, which is very artsy at the time. And there was a place over in Lambertville called St. John Terrell's Music Circus. And it was the first big outdoor music theater in the country. It was really like, it got that whole thing started. And they took me to a, a production of Funny Girl at the music circus. But I don't know who was in it. Like, it might have been like Robert Q. Lewis and and joyce bully yeah brett summers and funny
1: girl what's my line was doing it
0: (laughs) but i didn't know i you know it's like a play it was exciting and but again it's just they they really um that was really a part of our lives so i think that you know the dna thing is really true and then later on we all sort of mom was doing Plays and uh, there's this community theater called Town and Country Players, which is still there. And Pat, you've got a
1: friend who still works there, right? And directs plays there. I was, with, I was Dave Schwartz. I was actually going to send you his latest. He's doing Mousetrap, yeah. Agatha Christie, with at, the Town and Country Players. At Town and
0: Country Players. Which was, again, yes. like when you're little kids, you go to a play. It's just like, you. there's no difference between Town and Country Players and Broadway. It's like it's a play and you're seeing these people act out. But again, I think it it's seeped into
1: our brain. So um, last week, can I just make a quick point, though? I find it interesting that with all that DNA and both parents and all of their friends sort of really invested in this kind of world. uh, Mom came around, but father never really supported either one of us going into this business. It was really kind of, it was discouraged. And why would you do that? And that's not being responsible. And I don't know if you've ever told your, your, your great story about um, uh, being in best little whorehouse in Texas. And, and <laughs> I tell that or no, is that too? No, sure. I'll tell that story.
0: Was, yeah, Dr. D's telling me two minutes. I got two minutes to tell you. That's not a long story. Uh, yeah, so I got my first big movie. I got me out of waiting at the Ginger Man. Goodbye, Elliot Gould. <laughs> I'm done with you. Hello, uh, Dom DeLuise. Oh, hello, Dom DeLuise, who we became very good friends. Um, I got cast in the movie Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. It was a big deal. It got me out of the restaurant business and sort of supporting myself. And And then when the movie came out, you know it's your first movie it's like oh my god i'm in a movie like burt reynolds is in it and it's a real movie and but this was you know his way of being funny weird funny but uh yeah he sent me a copy of the ticket of this ticket stub from the county theater i guess in doylestown and and a bill for seeing the movie of what it was like two dollars and fifty cents or three fifty or something. Like, that was his uh, idea of being funny. I remember spending a lot of time with my therapist talking about <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: <laughs> the bill I got from my father for my first movie. Uh, yeah, that was, it's all this stuff I laugh at now, but at the time it was like, <laughs> Dad doesn't yeah. like me. i, I sh- It would have been a time to go back with the TV guy and say, Okay, Dad, what about this movie? Ha <laughs> ha!
1: Uh, Uh,
0: Okay, we're going to come up on our first break. I'm talking to my brother, Pat Stack. We're going to talk more about, I want to get into uh, Rambo and and his uh, partnership with Nathan Lane, the comedy partners, long time. And then we're going to talk about a bunch of other stuff too, his movies and uh, his kids. Hopefully we'll get to that. We'll definitely get to that. So anyway, you're listening to It's Radio with TV's Tim Stack. We'll be right back. Hey everybody, it's Tim Stack from It's Radio with TV's Tim Stack, asking you to watch the show Sprung on Freevee, Amazon's new free channel. I promise you, it's funny, it's got heart, and my shoulder appears in episode three.
1: Nice to have you with you. We're yes. Stack and Lane, I'm Patrick Stack. And I'm Rola Lenska, nice to meet you. <laughs> Just kidding, I'm Nathan Lane, and And, you know, we've been thinking, comedy has changed
0: so much over the years. I mean, 50 years ago, you could have walked into a theater and heard a routine as simple as this. Hiya, Pat. Hiya, Nat. Hey, I just got married. Hey, that's good. Well, not so good. My wife's real ugly. Oh, that's bad. Well, not so bad. She's got a lot of money. That's good. Well, not so good. She won't give me any. Oh, that's bad. Well, not so bad. We live in a big mansion. That's good. Well, not so good. It burned down. Oh, that's bad. Well, not so bad. She was in it. That's good. Very good, very good, very good. That's my brother, Pat Stack, with his old comedy partner, Nathan Lane. What show, was, was that Merv Griffin? Or was that the uh, Norm Crosby? That
1: was, um, that was Norm Crosby.
0: Norm Crosby's Comedy Shop. I remember that yeah. show. That was you sort of the tail end of variety shows. And, uh very tail end. Yeah, the early 80s, when all that stuff was moving on. And um, yeah, the world was different. So let I, I want to get to Nathan Lane. Let's backtrack a little bit to Brian Dennehy and Rambo because people do everyone knows that movie and if it it's an easy scene to describe like you remember the funny guy, the National Guardsman in Rambo and people know it. like I remember at the screening that night we saw it we all you got us into the screening and I remember that scene just like people it all came to life in that scene. So anyway, Tell us how that whole thing, Rambo thing, you going up there and happened.
1: Uh, Yeah, yeah. So I I am working out at a gym. I can't remember what the name of it was. Somewhere over in. Um, the Sports Connection. In, what was it? Sports Connection. Sports Connection. There yeah. you go. That was a tough one. Tough. Sports Connection. So uh, I, I hear over the loudspeaker, Patrick Stack, please come to the front desk. Patrick Stack. Okay, good. Finally getting recognition. I go there and they say. You're and you, I should me. jump in.
0: It's a predominantly, not us. Again, nothing's wrong with it. It's a predominantly gay men's health club.
1: Predominantly. So
0: when you get the call to go to the desk, it's like, oh, okay. Well, okay. Maybe so. <laughs>
1: Was I too inebriated to remember what I did last week? (laughs) Oops. Anyway, they say, call your manager. And I call my manager. And it's 430. And she says to me, the assistant, go home, pack. You've got a 645 Air Canada flight to Vancouver. You're going to do this movie, First Blood. But you need to get home quick, get your stuff, and get up there. So I do that. I'm living in West Hollywood at the time uh, in this penthouse apartment. Fantastic a- and
0: he's your roommate. he's a roommate, along with Michael Talbot. Right, who was became famous from the show Miami Vice, and the three of them lived together in a crazy so, penthouse apartment that was really, really fun.
1: But he right. lined you up for the movie, right? Well, here's what happened. When you shoot a film in Canada, you're only allowed a certain number of American actors. Right. or Credits like whoever the writer is or the director. And they do that because there's a huge tax break. And the way they justify that is you're going to hire a lot of Canadian people, not only yeah. on crew, but in terms of talent. They had this guy who was supposed to be uh, Lieutenant Morgan, and he had to bail, had the bail at the last minute. So then he goes to Ted Kotcheff, who's the director at that time, says, look, I got a guy. He'll do it. He'll do it. He'll be great. He'll be great. Okay and you know Ted's got a million other things to think about right got and they got to gotta
0: shoot, shoot this thing right away
1: got to shoot it and it's a very small very small part very small uh they facts I uh uh I get the sides fly up there and I'm writing along the thing I'm saying oh, maybe this could happen maybe this could happen you know god forbid I don't I just read what they give me right. I'm embellishing here uh, and I don't know the rest of the story but I get there and I get to the hotel, and Denny he takes me in to meet Ted. Hi, Ted. Hi, Pat, Nice to meet you. Ted, I don't know if you looking, but I, I had some ideas about this thing. Oh boy! If you're if you're interested, right? Yeah. The color goes out of Denny's face because yeah. he's about. Yeah. Gotchiv loves it. Oh, that's great. Because he, because he realizes that they needed to let some air out of this tire yes. because it was building, building building. So there were a bunch of things, and I was able to kind of put in there that allowed for this um, this role to get a lot bigger. Well, relatively bigger. Uh, but as you said, people seem to remember it. So, incidentally, about, well, it was last October. Prior to that, in, in May, I get a phone call from the mayor of Hope, British Columbia. This is
0: what I wanted to get to next, is the Rambo oh. Festival. Oh, is this a nice segue? Yeah, perfect.
1: Take it. Right. So anyway, oh, but let me back up then as long as we're going to get to that. My very first movie where I have a speaking role, I had plenty of extra roles. But a speaking role was on my 30th birthday. So it was like, it was like the greatest birthday, birthday gift. had. What was interesting about what was the that? Mo- what was the movie? Rambo. Oh,
0: that was it. Okay. That's what I thought. Yes. Okay.
1: Uh, I was supposed to be literally one day, maybe two. Right, but one day. the problem was the stuff that we did. They couldn't do weather continuity up there. The weather is crazy. So one day it was sunny, one day it's raining, one day it's snowing. I ended up going up there three different times. I don't. I don't remember that. Yeah. Now I stayed at Dennehy's apartment because uh, they weren't going to pay for my hotel. Right, but. It was great so i had this unbelievably great experience of going up to canada three different times when it should have been just once so um yeah as you said people seem to remember it so i get this phone call from the mayor of hope british columbia which is about an hour and a half northeast of vancouver asking me if i would consider being what's the de facto grand marshal for the 40th anniversary (laughs) of the screening of Rambo first blood in this town of Hope British Columbia. You're gonna be the Grand Marshal of this. Grand Marshal, Grand Poobah, Rose Parade Queen. Yes. I'm the, of the guy. The Rambo it's, Parade. It's well, it was unbelievable. So we're taking we do a trip and we're not just gonna go up for this weekend. And louise and I go up and go to Vancouver and that's great. We go to yeah. Vancouver Island and fantastic. We finally get to Hope and I have no idea what to expect none <laughs> are people like screaming like it's here oh my god <laughs> well I, again i i didn't know there were four thousand people who have come into this little town to celebrate the 40th anniversary oh my god i can't tell you the number it's of really
0: it's a movie on. it's a christopher guest movie
1: well uh elizabeth dennehy Brian, uh, brian's daughter right son will came up with a film crew because one of the big attractions for this weekend was a wooden sculpture of Dennehy as Sheriff Tisdale. And that's going to be next to the wooden sculpture of Sly Stallone. Sure. In the town square. Did
0: did you you get a wooden sculpture? Sorry. Did you get a wooden sculpture?
1: I said, (laughs) I said, look, They asked me, would you come back up? I said, you get me a sculpture. I'm there. <laughs> that do but Lieutenant. Oh, that was the other thing. Did Richard Crenna
0: get a sculpture? No. Oh, okay. Well, he's due one.
1: Yeah, he's due one. But I think Lieutenant Clint Morgan trumps Crenna. Trump's, uh, Incidentally- Hey,
0: pull your screen down a little bit. We're, we're only seeing the top Clinton, of your as head now. As, you
1: as a okay. tip of the hat to our dear, dear friend, Clem. I added Lieutenant Clinton Morgan. Okay. You remember how said Clinton? yeah. <laughs> anyway, so that was, it was, it was the most unbelievable weekend. I can't tell you how, how much fun it was. They showed the, uh, uh, they showed the movie a number of times and I'm, I'm seeing Matt and I'm signing autographs and it's like, what? I yeah. didn't know. It's a little two day part. No.
0: It's but, really funny.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, and they called
1: me I said, wait a minute, you, you couldn't get anybody else? I said, no. I <laughs> They wanted me, so there you
0: go. Uh, you know, Sly
1: passed, so we went to you. <laughs> um, and, and 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 I was I was number thirty-one on the call sheet, I think. <laughs> so they went through a number of names.
0: So uh, how are we doing on time, Doctor D? We got two minutes. Um, so I did want to talk about Brian a little bit because for those guys, yeah. Brian Denny just had an incredible career and was such a like. I remember waiting on him the first time and he was just such a nice guy and not pretentious at all. And he was really helpful. I mean, he obviously got you this great part, but he was also, I remember one day, he I, I asked him and he picked up the phone and called the Taper Theater to get me an audition. I'm sure I was terrible. I hopefully didn't hear back about it, but he was really a super generous uh, friend. And
1: you, you know... I benefited greatly. He was, uh, uh, yeah, remarkably uh, generous, and um, and yeah, no pretense, and just a really good guy. Somewhat complicated, a little complicated. I just wanted to touch on that a little bit. But but the other thing I'll say
0: about him, as great as he was on screen, you know, and I know you did a bunch, but I had the pleasure of seeing him a a lot on stage, and it was unbelievable. I mean, he was captivating uh, he was one of those stage actors like you can't take your eyes off this guy
1: yeah i i remember seeing him in death of a salesman in los angeles yeah in chicago yeah broadway and then london and each time it was more at by the time he got to london and had this thing really right. fine tuned just unbelievable yeah. unbelievable and um yeah he he I mean, his whole start was weird. He was he, he was on Wall Street, and then he quit that, and he was sort of driving a truck to support his family while he tried to do acting. Right. And his first movie was, I think, uh, semi-tough, where he played a football player, hung some guy over the edge of a hotel room, and the oh yeah yeah, uh, yeah yeah right right right.
0: And then it just took off the minute, like that movie came out, and he he was with the bartender in ten, and it just sort of took off. So. Anyway, we got to take another break. we got to pay the sponsors that we're going to get.
1: T-Mobile. I
0: work for him. He's got the sign out in front. He's sign-spinning. T-Mobile. Uh, okay, we're going to take another break. I'm talking to my brother, Pat Stack. We're going to have a lot more fun after the break. And you're listening to It's Radio with TV's Tim Stack.
1: Hey there, it's Patrick Stack, and you are listening to It's Radio with my brother, TV's Tim Stack. <gasps> oh, Raymond, right, you did it again. You make people pawn their valuables because they can't pay their bills because you jack up the prices. You don't even have a pawnbroker's license. The Better Business Bureau will come and cut you away. And you know why? Because you didn't listen to Mother. <laughs> right away. All right, that's
0: from, uh, Pat and I were on an episode of It's a Living, and I my did favorite part about that clip is the studio audience that wasn't there applauds for us as we're leaving. <laughs> they loved us, that studio audience. Oh, they were great. Oh my gosh. Um, that was fun, though. We did an episode of It's a Living, which we uh, Pat played my mother, was a spoof of Psycho, and Pat played my mother. They don't you know, they think I'm making up that I have a mother. And then Pat appears and scares the waitresses. Um,
1: you remember how that happened. We were we were called to audition because they were auditioning identical twins. Yes. We go to the audition, and there are about six sets of twins in the waiting room. And yes. you and I walked And we got you know, it. I-
0: and And a similar thing happened after you retired from acting. Get a call from Tales from the Crypt. They want identical twins. Pat's like he's gone. He's uh, in ad sales now at this point. And I called John Stark, and we got that. We played twins, and that they played Siamese twins, yeah. in that. So, um,
1: I just I just love all the set the sets of twins looking at us going. What what what, what, are, you what are you doing, doing here? here?
0: Yeah, you don't qualify. You're not a twin. And they yeah. all sort of talk to each other. They have like twin language with each other. Hi, twins. Hi, twins.
1: And they were all dressed alike, and we weren't dressed no. alike.
0: <laughs> we, and we got the fart. Twins yeah. stormed the studio after that. It was a twin uprising yeah. after that because of non-twins. We wouldn't be allowed to do that today yeah. in today's world. We would not be allowed to play <laughs> twins. No. No, you got to have real twins. Yeah. Um, so let's go back. I just want to talk about Denny, because he was such an interesting guy, but he did come up in the news later in his life. Like, as great a guy he was, it was so weird that he did the I was in Vietnam thing. And I I, I never figured out why, because he was so talented, so competent, such a great guy, and yet he told people he was in Vietnam. It's like, it's so weird
1: I think, you know, he would go down to the uh, Marine Base to the Marine Ball at uh, what is it? What's down the street? Down, in San, down in San Diego. Yeah, yeah. He'd go there and he'd be around those guys. And I think it was a little O.J. syndrome. After a while, I think he just started to kind of believe that this had really happened. Yeah. And he certainly had enough dialogue over over time. But I'm with you. Did I? Did I ever tell you the story about how I found out about that? No. We had gone to a play that he was in. We, me, Nathan, John Cleary, and Clem.
0: Uh Uh-huh.
1: I can't remember what the play was. Might have been Death of a Salesman. And we're all at Joe Allen's afterwards. And Nathan leaves and uh, uh, Cleary leaves. I'm sitting there. uh, Clem is still there. And Clem says... It was, you know, you've said that Denny he was in Vietnam. I said, oh, yeah. A number of times I heard the story of being in a firefight. Oh, yeah. Hand-to-hand combat. and yeah. combat And uh, he was in a, a Jeep with his best friend, Tiny, who reminded him of Mike Talbot. And they're driving along. And Tiny says, let's go this way. And then he says, no, no, let's go this way. It's better. And they go Denny's way. And the Jeep blows up. And Tiny's blowed up. And then he wakes up in a ditch with six or seven dead in Viet Cong. And okay, I, I Yeah, who's enough. gonna first of all, he's six foot
0: six, and he he's he's a tough guy, and he was a tough guy in real yes. life.
1: It's like So Clem says, Clem, Clem says, I just read the galleys for a book called Stolen Valor. And then he was never in Vietnam. I said, what are you talking about? I, with Tiny and everything, no. Nah, no no the closest he got there he played the football game and apparently he injured his ankle in Okinawa with the Marines so it was really it was um, it was just so, so weird and and
0: I, I you know I was talking last night um to my wife Janelle about it like cuz getting ready for this and thinking just that he didn't need to do it but it was just, I don't know, it's so weird. And the story kept getting thicker and thicker. And I remember on the Merv Griffin show, he's on with Sly Stallone. And Sly's like, yeah, I'm a Vietnam vet. And it was like, but Brian was there for real. And Brian says, you know, on TV, yeah, I was in Nam. And it was just like, wow, so weird. Yeah. And our friend Clem was a journalist. That's probably why he knew about it. So yeah.
1: um, So yeah, let's. And, right, he didn't need it. He did not no, need it. No,
0: no. And I guess he got in too deep, and it was just no going out. So he kept. Uh, I will say, I, I'll mention this quick story too. Was at your wedding in Doylestown. Uh, Which one? The first wedding, mm-hmm. your first wedding. Uh, you did not get a bill from Dad for that one. Um, he did so, let me the backyard. He, he did. I yes. Um, so, uh, his Brian's first acting job was at St. John Terrell's music circus, the one I was talking about earlier. And really? and yeah. And Brian it was it was before the wedding and we had time to kill and he said, I'd love to go see that place. And I knew it had been overgrown, like it had been out of business for years. I said, let's get in the car. And Talbot's driving and Brian's in the front seat and I'm in the back and we're going through Lambertville and I said, may I go up this street here and then and I think it's right here. Make a left here. And sure enough there was this old overgrown road with weeds and And out of nowhere, a pheasant jumps out of nowhere and scares the you-know-what out of us. And Talbot, like, turns the wheel, and Brian starts screaming at him, like, I told you never to do that! And it was, we just assumed it was a Vietnam freakout. like. Him screaming because of, of what had happened with the Jeep, with Tiny, with the Viet Cong. And meanwhile, we're in the weeds in Lambertville, New Jersey, and Brian's freaking out. So it was, yeah, it was a strange story. Anyway. Oh, I never heard that before. Yeah. Wow. So, um, so let's jump ahead. Now, we, we, we cut to, I guess, 70. I got out of school in 78. Like, 79, you got you became part of a comedy group or a sketch group. So take us back to that time. And that's where you met Nathan Lane. Seventy
1: six. No, 77, excuse me. I auditioned for a play and it's called what's new. And it's a combination of what might be looked at Saturday night live with comedy and sketches. And that was the week that was an old television show. that used to make fun of uh, things that had happened during that week. And it was an ever-changing cast, or, or I mean ever changing material. So we had to write stuff each week. And uh it was up in a theater on seventy-sixth street in Broadway. And Nathan was one of the guys in the uh in the cast, probably had about 10, 10 people. Anybody
0: there. else famous? anybody or worked at a career? No, oh,
1: okay no. No. Not the no, not not at his level. Um and uh, there were two people in the cast, a boy and a girl, and they were kind of like a comedy team. And they were making some money. they made like one hundred dollars on a weekend. And we made each other laugh, and we said, let's let's do that. let's let's try to do that right. So we decided we were going to do that. And I was down in Soho and I saw an ad for uh, a restaurant down there that had a theater called Bobbble Tax. And you could, Basically, if you brought the audience, you could have an hour on stage. So we decided we were going to do that to jumpstart this career. And we signed up, and it's three weeks away. So and we you, have to. And you don't people. have material. Zero. <laughs> Zero material. <laughs> so we come up with enough and, material. And, and you need an hour. Forty-five minutes was wow, what you had. To that's do. a lot for yeah, first time on hour, stage. Could, oh yeah, it was crazy. But we had had some stuff and that we had kind of talked about to do for that show. So uh, somehow we managed to do that. And that led to uh, just getting some weird, weird jobs and writing, writing comedy for some other people. But it was really anything to do, anything we could do for, for a buck. One guy um, was going to give us a job out of Jersey. And he said, "You has got tuxedos. <laughs>
0: he's got so, tuxedos
1: but the best job we got booked at a it was uh positioned as a, a up at the skills a jewish singles weight watchers wow so, there's a lot going on there a lot going on and no and, buffet
0: sad let's say
1: well that was the, <laughs> the food was especially important because it was being prepared that weekend by an Icelandic chef. Wow. So let's just say we start to do jokes about reindeer and slush and icebergs. And and it was not a good time. It was just not a good time. Uh, But you got paid. But,
0: but then what was it? I was trying to think the name of the club. It was sort of, I think on ninth Avenue, maybe that you guys sort of like made your home, and people yeah. found you there. I mean, you sort of developed your own audience there and and really honed
1: in your act. What was the name of that place? It was called uh, The Callback Room. Uh, very show busy. The and call- it, was an attached, the callback. it was attached to a Beefsteak Charlie's at 46th uh, and 8th.
0: You had me at and- Callback Room. <laughs> and you got to yeah. go Beefsteak Charlie's.
1: <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> Come in for an audition and grab yourself yeah. a tenderloin. Uh it was interesting because in New York, unlike L.A., uh, things start a lot later. So it drew this theater crowd that didn't want to go home. Right. The theater, And so people would come in there starting at 10, 10, 30, 11 o'clock. And the first time we went in there, we introduced ourselves and we're a comedy team, Stack and Lane. There was a guy, Bob Amaral, sure. who worked a lot. And uh, Marcy would play piano. And he would sing and she would sing and they would bring up singers and they it was the that typical theater district piano bar where people got up and entertained. Well, he didn't put us on till about 1 30 that night. He didn't know who we were. Right. He did very well. He comes right over to us. When would you guys like to come back? Uh well, okay, we'll do that. We so we started going on about eleven or eleven fifteen. And it was great because that theater crowd had come. And I'll never and and it was it was great great fun. And we pretty much were able to do forty five minutes to an hour, right. sit there and work in new material, and that's where we got seen by a um, uh, couple of agents, William Morris, and we we got signed with right. them. Right,
0: and then came out of the coast. But but I just one of the things two two things come to mind was that room was really cool too because a lot of people who were in Broadway plays would come over and perform songs that from another show. And you had all these really great performers come in there to sing, as well as you guys performing. Not a lot of other comedians, but a lot of Broadway people came in to sing.
1: Interestingly enough, we did have one actress from Annie who would come in who wanted to get into stand-up comedy. Uh. And I would say it was brutal. At the beginning, but she was learning and honing her craft. Yeah. Who's that? Rita Rudger.
0: Ah, that's interesting.
1: It's been in residence forever, I think, in Vegas. Yeah, 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 screen. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: we got to take a, a third break. I, we, uh, we're we not going to have enough time to do all these stuff that I have. Uh, I want to make sure okay. I, I, I give a few, few plugs. Jeremiah, producer, always thank you. Dr. D, the engineer. Um, Pat, uh, Stack has some movies you can watch on Amazon. Uh Cat City is one with the late Julian Sands. How weird was that death? That was weird. Hey, Brian and Brian Dennehy, right? He's in that. Welcome to Paradise, which I'm in, which I watched uh on YouTube. That's a really well-made movie. I know you guys were down and dirty on the budget, but you yeah. you spent every dime properly. Like it's a good looking. Movie. If you like, you know, especially if you want a faith based film, but not pounding you over the head with it, it's very good. Really well done. So thanks. And then uh, it's a rockabilly world. Is it just the opposite of that? It's just a fun documentary about uh, the world of rockabilly, which is a weird subculture in American music today. So you can watch all of those on Amazon. And you can watch Sprung on Amazon Freebie that I wrote for that show. So anyway, we're going to take our third break. Pick it up on the other side, whatever you're about to say. Very funny show, Sprung. Yes, very funny. Uh, Okay, we'll be right back. You're listening to It's Radio with TV's Tim Stack. Hey, it's Tim Stack. And having been in show business for so long, I have a lot of really funny friends. And you can hear them all on It's Radio with TV's Tim Stack. That's part of the Jeremiah Show. So listen.
2: I'm the new minister at Paradise Church. Nice to meet you. Thanks so much for coming early. Have a seat to uh, get you some coffee. Some oh. Waiting for you.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm afraid I have some really bad news for y'all.
1: What are you talking about, Eugene?
0: The church's insurance coverage has expired, John. Church didn't pay the premium for the last two months, and now the policy has lapsed.
1: What? John...
0: You should have called me, Eugene. How can you let that happen? I did call you, John, a couple of times. You said you were going to take care of it. That was me in my brother's film, Welcome to Paradise, playing a straight part. I always love the few times I got to play straight parts. It's always fun because it's like, this isn't what I do, but I'm having fun.
1: It's real acting, and I believe, but did I see it for for your consideration ad on that? Yeah, I took that ad out. Yes. Excellent. Excellent.
0: Nice. Uh, nobody considered it.
1: <laughs> no, I did. Uh, that was that was the nice thing about being not only the producer but the executive producer on that. Yes, uh, you were in it. Our mother was in it. My two daughters were in it. So, <laughs> was mom in that <laughs> film? <laughs> it was the greatest. It's a, it's a picnic scene, and I went to the DP. Right. I said, "Here's what you need to do. You need to lock give me two three seconds on her, her, and her." <laughs> And, but other than that, um, other than that, it was a big picnic scene. Yeah. But your eyes went immediately to mom. What extra wears a white, big white, blowy beret? <laughs> yes. Which, of course, all the focus on her. It was great. I think she might have done that on purpose. But. <laughs> that, that um. was good.
0: So, uh, again, you can watch that film, uh, Welcome to Paradise, on Amazon uh, with my brother, Pat Sack, that he produced. Um, So, uh, let's talk about—God, there's so much more I want to talk about. So, uh, let's talk about your kid. Let's plug your kids for a second. Uh, Pat's got two really talented daughters, Emma and Winnie, and they've both gotten news lately. So, talk about uh, Winnie first. Talk about she's in New York and what's going on with her.
1: Yeah, uh, Winnie did the uh, uh, plays in high school and plays in college and a semester abroad in London at Bata and uh, wanted to do the whole deal. But she wanted to go to New York to be on Saturday Night Live. That was her goal. When we would go to New York, we'd go quite often, uh, she would want to hang around 30 Rock, figuring... In case somebody walks out. Somebody was in, yeah, Right. And so she, she's she been doing the New York grind for three years, lives in Brooklyn, and is in two sketch comedy groups, Is does stand-up, has a one-woman show that I think is terrific.
0: Oh, and, it's so good. Somehow that thing has to get launched. It's it's about her childhood obsession with Jenna Fisher, the actress. It's It's so funny. And anyway, go on. Sorry.
1: Sure. And for your listeners, I'm setting up a GoFundMe, so uh, <laughs> you can be aware of that. Uh, she was just cast, even though she didn't think she was going to be cast, in Second City's new New York City company, yeah. which is coming to Williamsburg. And she'll be in the sketch comedy group, which performs four nights a week, the improv brunch group, two days a week, and an understudy for the main company, eight shows a week. So- and she's just that. I mean, now she's like, if if you if yeah. you do the basic analogy, she's now in the AAA. And I'm going to take
0: it one step further. I think that that's like I think she just got bumped up to the majors. Even though it's not a TV series, to to first of all, she's getting paid. That's the yes. biggest thing of all. You know, an actor can get paid for what they do. That's huge, and and sort of make a living. That's huge. So I, you know, I'm just thrilled for her, and she's just worked so hard and again this one woman show i i hope it gets a bigger launch somehow because it's so funny and sweet too
1: really good um what i found interesting you mentioned she's getting paid so she's been doing it for three years had a ton of auditions wasn't getting any had some callbacks but had just hadn't booked anything and of course we all do that ride where i can't do this anymore blah, 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 blah. but i find it very interesting and it'll be a great story on jimmy fallon that her first paying job was this which is a pretty big pretty big deal yeah in turn to break it in i'll tell you another interesting story i'm on the phone with her when she uh and i said look i know you don't want to talk about this but the second city you no know, it doesn't happen well, we got to go no
0: i'm laughing oh. cuz i know what's coming
1: uh, so the second city thing you know, it's not going to happen but you'll find other stuff and there's a rotating cast you're on the red, blah, blah, blah. yeah i know so in the middle of this conversation and all this, she starts hyperventilating. Oh, the email just came in. She starts reading the email. Oh. She's hyperventilating. She's screaming. Just she I gotta go. I gotta. I gotta tell my. I gotta tell my roommate. Hangs up the phone. Apparently, I hear after she hangs up the phone, she's so excited. She turns around. And she she runs into a wall and breaks <laughs> her pinky. There you go. Oh, I want that whole thing on Fallon. Well, John do you remember
0: yeah. that apartment I had on Harrod Street and Lovitz lived next door. And he got his first job on a show called uh, on the paper chase, the TV version. And he, sure. ran, he ran out of that door and I was standing out on the porch. He runs out of the door. He's so excited. Got my job, got my job. And he proceeds to throw up over the railing <laughs> down <laughs> on Shirley Prestia's patio down below. Right over he was say he lost control, so anyway, that's so great about Winnie, but then, uh uh, not to be left behind, Emma is also she's at the groundlings, and I don't know if you can talk the about who she works for that your call well, on that,
1: I don't know why I would let me just say an, an extremely yeah an extremely successful actor,
0: yeah, you don't have to but but one of those things like. Wow, everybody knows this he's a wildly successful actor. He's a big deal and uh, and Emma's his assistant. So she's like she's moving in two lanes at the groundlings and got this great assistant job and and it's it's very fun to watch.
1: And she's also written a play with two others uh-huh. and they're uh, rehearsing that. I wanted to go back to that very famous guy we're not talking about. He's also known widely as one of the nicest guys ever 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 in this business filled with sharks yeah i mean really sensational guy yeah but anyway two of them are
0: in this business his first name's john i'm just gonna say it i'm not gonna say his last name and it's not travolta no it's not travolta though he's supposed to be a nice guy too um oh, sorry interrupted go ahead
1: nothing but you were talking earlier about dna and you know how it kind of seeps through and yeah the genealogy, and do i wish that th- they were wanted to be uh accountants like dad or yeah. something a little bit more stable sure but they're following the dream and i you know i think they both have the talent to do it it's a question of luck casting director once said your network is your net worth and wow. in this business it could not be more uh true yeah you you just got to work it work it work it and if you're talented but there are a thousand people who are talented you got luck great but honestly it's who you know so
0: keep working someday you'll have a free radio show (laughs) 40 years in the business if you work hard enough i'm looking over jerry I, I love Niles doing, this. I love doing this i'm making fun because we were talking about sponsors earlier it was like man, wow this thing might work actually after all so um anyway we are sadly out of time pat we gotta let's do this again because we didn't really get into the nathan lanes and all the crazy shows you had and opening for eddie rabbit and the letterman and all these The Playboy Club, I remember that story. It's just all these great stories that I would love to uh, cover.
1: Copa is the only time Dad came to see us. Was it the Playboy Club? What's that? Was that a Playboy Club? No, the Copa. Oh, the Copa.
0: That's right, the Copa Cabana. Yes. Dad Dad goes to the Copa. Of course, that's an excuse. He finally goes, yeah, well, my sons at the Copa. Uh, (laughs) The LA? No. No. No valet. Oh, well. Well, anyway, I was going to go. Um, <laughs> so, uh, anyway, Stack, thank you for doing this. Always fun.
1: Um, I nice to meet the team. Yeah. Great job.
0: Thank Great you. Great team. Show. Thank you, team. Thank you. Jeremiah, Doctor D. Thank you. Uh, you can again watch those movies: Cat City, Rockabilly World, Welcome to Paradise. All on Amazon.com, and watch Sprung on Amazon Freevee. And I'll see you, hear you, talk to you next time on It's Radio with TV's Tim Stack. As always, a big thanks to our station manager Les Carroll for letting us on the air at all. Listeners, we appreciate you and want to hear from you. Please send us your ideas at jeremiah at com or on Messenger, on Facebook, or Instagram. The show is produced
2: by executive producer Jeremiah Higgins and me, your announcer, Tony Kelly.